You are listening to a special edition iFanboy podcast on Batman Year One. There's talk on the street, it sounds so familiar. Great expectations, everybody's watching you. Hello, welcome to a special edition iFanboy podcast on Batman Year One. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Paul Montgomery. Hello. And Ryan Hopp. Howdy. We three are from iFanboy.com. Normally we talk about comics, but we like to get together and talk about these DC Universe original animated movies that they put out twice a year at this point. And uh, this is our usual crew, minus Chris Neesman, who couldn't make it. He's off curling. Not a euphemism. He's awesome. actually off curling, yeah. yeah. So I don't know who's – I think he's got the better end of the deal right now. So not that I don't like talking to you guys, but I think I'd like to be curling. Anyway, this is the latest for release in the Bruce Timm company that does all these films. There's been 11 or 12 of them. I've lost track. And this was the highly anticipated Batman Year One ad- adaptation. For many people, Batman Year One is the – Best Batman story of all time, written by Frank Miller, drawn by David Mazzucchelli, and it it uh, has been it's been around for over 20 years and stood the test of time as the definitive Batman origin story. And uh, when they announced they were going to animate it, I was very excited and also you know worried because anytime they take such a classic and iconic story, you wonder how it's going to translate. Funnily enough, I thought this was the most faithful adaptation we've had so far. Of all of these films, this was pretty much there was not a lot left out, not a lot, yeah, not a lot added. Uh, the art looked just like the the book. This was the most. If you take the original mission statement of we want to adapt these stories with the original art style, this is probably the most successful in terms of technical achievement of all of the films. Yeah, I'd say if if you thought that uh, All Star Superman was pretty close, minus a few subtractions because they couldn't fit all of the little stories in all of the episodes from All Star mm-hmm. Superman, this is even closer to its source material both visually and just like script wise it's it's i mean it's pretty much all there i mean it's been a while since i i I read the original comics but um it's it feels pretty damn close um even right down to the um the calendar listings you know every Mm -hmm. and it's it's kind of weird seeing that um in a like an hour-long movie it kind of breezes along with the comic it's sort of your your um more used to that kind of thing and it's not so jarring but right. but yeah you do get to see you know it all starts in it starts in january right and then just goes through a calendar year yeah basically but yeah it's it like actually, every, every few minutes you get a little caption of or sometimes every few seconds you get a caption of it now it's it's june 6th it's august you know 14th whatever it took me a little bit of uh, time to get used to that device because like you said it's something we're used to in comics but in this short and animated film it's not something you're necessarily anticipating moving through time that quickly and i remember thinking at the beginning of the movie how much i was enjoying seeing gotham in winter and how cool it was that there was like snow drifts everywhere and just i don't know it added to the mood and the setting a lot for me and then you know 10 minutes later i realized oh wait the snow's gone we're in we're in march no wait june oh okay so all right we're really doing this time was quick what's funny is that this is actually one of the shorter films it's only like an hour and four minutes i think or something like that it's 60, really short 64 minutes yeah yeah and uh they like, like we said before they didn't really cut anything out so it wasn't like they 
they could have added another seven minutes or however it wasn't Batman, weren't they seven seventy minutes originally so we could have added another eight minutes to the movie but there really wasn't much more to add. Batman and, Year One's a four issue series though, right? Right. So a lot of these uh, that, that, a lot of these books are being or a lot of these movies are being adapted from longer books like New Frontier is a big series and even World's Finest was six issues so. And it's, yeah, no, it's just it's just interesting to show you what or how little there can be in a comic, you know. Yeah. If you took a, str- a straight adaptation, it's not a comic doesn't take up a lot of screen time, it's, which is why they always have to add things to these stories. Yeah, it's kind of funny because sometimes, you know, like I said, there was maybe it's a few seconds, you know, or like a moment or two between seeing, you know, June something and then, you know, the, like two weeks later. Um, and I'm just like, even though I don't have the comic in front of me and I don't remember it, you know, exactly, I'm thinking like, okay, that was like, that was a two panel, you know, scene. And then and that was maybe, that was like three or four panels or something. And that's a couple pages. Um, it's just kind of interesting that way. And, and the the other thing that, that sort of, um, it, it, it works or it doesn't work in certain situations is it uses a lot of the Frank Miller um, internal monologue uh, right. with Gordon. And, and and it's interesting. This is a Batman movie. It's called Batman Year One. But like the comic, this is really a Jim Gordon story. And Brian Cranston as Jim Gordon is billed first. Yeah, no, this is a Gordon movie, yeah. and which is good. We'll talk about why, I think, in a minute. But the, the basic story, if you haven't read the book, is it's, it opens with a 25-year-old Bruce Wayne returning to Gotham after 12 years abroad. It's a big sensation. At the same time, Lieutenant Gordon is, is coming to, to Gotham from Chicago to start his new job with the Gotham City Police Department. And then it traces their first year in Gotham, Bruce Wayne's journey from angry young man to Batman and Gordon's journey from lieutenant to he ends up as captain at the end that he's going to be on his road to be commissioner. And uh, so that's basically the story is basically there's a mob element, there's Catwoman, there's uh, crooked cops, there's a brief bit of Harvey Dent. I mean, there's it's pretty much a straight ahead story, the tale of two men's first year in a city that's awful. Yeah. And how they're on the road to cleaning it up. And that's pretty much the tale. It's not there's not that involved. Yeah, you know, no Joker, no, you know, Mr. Freeze, no Bane, no nothing like that. I mean there's Catwoman. Not even not even Two Face. They you know they Right, right. It's Harvey Dent. Yeah, it's not Two Face yet. So Yeah. He's he's not in the book as not Two Face either. But and as Paul said it's 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 mostly got it's mostly Gordon movie, which is great because Brian Cranston plays a fantastic Jim Gordon. So good. Like one yeah, of the I one mean, of the best, I don't know, kind of kismet, kind of like the perfect casting that they've had, you know, in, in any of these. I, I think it's it was just a, an ingenious choice, and he does it really well. And he did it even a little bit differently than I expected. If you're used to sort of Heisenberg in uh, Breaking Bad, um, you're not <laughs> getting super intense Brian Cranston. He's actually, I think, he's a really good voice actor. Like a lot, yeah. a lot of guys come into this and they're just very gruff and, and, and very stiff. And I think that happens with some of the other actors in this. But uh, Brian Cranston himself, I think, uh, came to it perfectly. And I would love to see him do something like this again. And he also really made the voiceovers work. Yeah, yeah. Because the thing, the thing we learned in the Spirit movie last a couple of years ago was that <laughs> That's a good comparison. Was, was that when you when you speak Frank Miller's dialogue, it's really rough. It's a, it's a kind of dialogue that really works on the page, but it's really hard to to hear. But and then you have that here too because oh, I I pulled the book out in the middle of the movie, and a lot of the dialogue is just straight from the book. Yeah. And it's it can be rough with the wrong kind of actor doing it. And I think on the flip side of that, um, Ben McKenzie as Batman was I thought not good in the voiceovers. No. But I thought he was okay as the as in the role itself. Was, he was he he went back and forth. At times I thought, oh, that was he's doing really well. And then at times I thought, oh, he's 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 not doing well. So he, it was kind of a wash. But since he was really a supporting character, it didn't 
hurt the overall yeah. film because mostly I, it's all yeah about. i'm in, i'm exactly on the same page is that he's because he's not such a i mean it is a principal role but it's not the main role it doesn't really sabotage this movie and the other thing is that he's a young bruce wayne and you know kevin conroy wouldn't work in this role really oh no yeah, absolutely not. And um, and there are moments here where he's kind of you know fucking up this whole situation and not being a great Batman, and it kind of works that he's you know a kid who's putting on this gruff voice and trying to do the Christian Bale thing and it not exactly working. Um, I found myself at the beginning not liking it, and then in the middle liking it, and then at the end there was a couple of rough yeah. bits. But so um, yeah. Um, so one really quick. I, I said World's Finest earlier, and I meant Public Enemies. So don't comment that I don't know what I'm talking about with the, <laughs> the movies. Two. Uh, going back for a second to the Jim Gordon voiceovers. Uh, the, he says some line about like how Gotham treats its cops or something like that. Uh, had to do with like selling them like commodities. And and my roommate actually overheard that line. He kind of chuckled. He's like, Oh, that's a good line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the thing is that this is this is one of Frank Miller's best works. And, he's, and this is a guy who's had a career of really great work. Even though the dialogue might be strange to hear at times in person, when it when it works, it really does work. It's very much hard-boiled de noir, which is what the element that he brought to Batman, which is he's been unable to shake for the last uh, 25 years. But um, I really, I, overall, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was one of the better, um, and we even got into the art yet, which I thought was, the animation, which I thought was spectacular. Yeah. Um, but I thought overall this is not only really successful from what they set out to do, but just in terms of a movie, really, really enjoyable. I was, I was just, I was so impressed with the amount of restraint that the filmmakers had on this, and it's not just absolutely, it's, not, it's a drama. Yeah, it's it's a drama, and there there are long moments of, I mean, not silence necessarily. There are sound effects and like punching noises and stuff, and but there's no dialogue for for big stretches, um, even though there is a lot of internal monologue. Um, there's just, I mean, really uh, well thought out choreographed fight scenes that have a lot of impact because there's not a lot of chatter in the background, mm-hmm. and you can just you can feel the weight behind every punch and um, very just like real world kind of street level action right. stuff. And it's it's not when you think you know Batman cartoon like sometimes you think it's it's going to be off the wall and crazy and. This is just it's really sort of minimalist and and subtle in in a lot of ways where I could where w- could have gone the complete different direction. Yeah, I probably winced more listening to the or listening and hearing. I mean, the sound was a big part of it, but watching these fights, I definitely had more ooh than I usually do during one of these kind of movies. And it, yeah, it's and it, because of the realism, the realism brought to it when Gordon gets beat down with the bats. It's really brutal yeah, because yeah. they have established a very real world. It's not like Superman flies in and throws somebody through a wall and they get up and punch each other. It's it's a very down-to-earth human movie. So when brutal things happen to people, you really feel right. that through this. And well, and like Paul said, it's it's shorter than some of the other animated films, but it doesn't feel rushed. It feels like it takes its time. It almost... But it also doesn't feel short. No, no, it doesn't. Think. But it, I mean, it almost, to go back to Brian Cranston, it feels in a lot of ways like it takes a, a few pages from Breaking Bad in just how comfortable they are taking these long moments of quiet or just setting a scene really well instead of just rushing straight to a fight scene and i almost you know found myself looking forward to the scenes after the fight scenes because i wanted to see more of the the story and the characters interacting beyond just throwing a punch 
Yeah, you, you get a lot of those moments of, you know, Gordon sitting on his bed and, you know, what am I doing with my life and his, his pregnant wife on the bed. And this is, it's kind of, you know, honestly, for I mean, if you if you've never read Batman Year One, first off, do that. Um, but I mean, for, I, I can imagine there would probably be a lot of, you know, Batman fans who might maybe be put off by this um, if they're not used to this kind of story because it isn't you know the Joker isn't in it like we said and um, it's I mean it's a it's a story where Batman is kind of ineffective and he's 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 green he's new on the job and and uh and gordon is you know he's having an affair and uh is like just really doubting himself and uh but it's but i mean if if you know the story and if you give it the opportunity and give it the chance i think it's it's a it's a really fantastic little movie it's just it's it's so weird seeing it in animation honestly i think it's funny because they they really i feel like they earned this. They're, yeah, they're at this many point. years into this movie. They've 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 been successful for Warner Brothers. They've been they've been profitable. So they get to do the Batman drama that involves child prostitutes, Commissioner Gordon having an extramarital affair, and all kinds of you know very adult themes, not in a sexy way, but in an adult way. Mm-hmm. And it you know I don't I don't think they make this movie in the beginning. I, I think Warner Brothers probably doesn't let them. But now that they've got this track record, then they're going to do the. Um, the sort of meat and potatoes movie next that we'll talk about later. Mm. Uh, that that they're like we're going to do this really quiet Batman drama piece where Commissioner Gordon's the star and he has an affair with his coworker while his wife is pregnant. I mean that's that's something I didn't think I'd ever see animated. Mm-hmm. But I mean it's and, integral to it's integral to the story and you know sure but it still doesn't. I mean, oh it's no still no you, I mean it's pretty shocking that they, they did I, it. I was uh, I I remembered in the back of my head seeing some of the featurettes and things like that saying that they were actually going to deal with the affair and the child prostitute and all that stuff but i'd kind of forgotten about it by the time i sat down to watch this so it felt pretty fresh and and uh my girlfriend the same girlfriend who didn't like all-star superman i didn't actually dump her uh we were watching this and she (laughs) seemed to she seemed to engage a lot more with this one she was kind of like oh come on jim like don't don't kiss her why are you doing that and (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you know she would she saw holly and she was like how old is that girl i'm like yeah she's child prostitute try to keep up she's as old as you want to be (laughs) (laughs) it's taxi driver you know yeah yeah even down to the, the, the sort of disguise he wears when he goes undercover. Um, well, so, so we should talk about the the visuals probably and and how yeah. close it it matches the, the. I mean, they've said in the featurettes leading up to this that they were really. I mean, they were like religiously looking at at this story and and what David Mazzucchelli was doing and even like you know the color palette and stuff. And, it's very washed out and very muted color. Yeah. It uh, it looks fantastic. I and mean, I, when I pulled the book out there. If I had free time, I'd go through and take screenshots and then post them next to the panels because they're. It seems like half the movie is just a straight up shot from the. Which book. is, I think, what they did in um, in All Star Superman too. I mean, they have a lot of like there's, there's a lot, lot of panels of that are just shot for shot kind of things. But but here it's I think it looked like Mazzucchelli. Yeah, times. it was it just atmosphere. Just the atmosphere is just it. It just um, harkened back to that book so much and it, mm-hmm. it, like I think faithful without being too rigid to the story it wasn't, sla- it wasn't slavish yeah it was, but it was it's it's not it's not harder. like i mean if you're talking about miller it's, i mean it's not like the live action sin city where it's like very uh, um sort of stagnant and like just static images and and stuff like this this moves and everything and and it's there's a graceful movement to the movie but it, it also i mean there's so many images that are ripped right from the book it's also like the opposite of public enemies and what was the other the other one um the other Ed McGinnis movie. Public Enemies and uh, the Supergirl one, uh, Apocalypse. Right. No, that was my... Where... Yeah, well, oh, the, so the Public Enemies... The, 
Yeah, well, where where the art looks so much like McGinnis, it took away from things because the the people were too big and too lumbering when they moved. They looked weird. Yeah. Whereas this, the, the art really works in a in a motion. It, the art the art style works in motion. Mm-hmm. Didn't take away from it. Um, I loved it. I, as a as a kid, this was a really important story for me. So for a lot a lot of ways. These are the definitive looks for the characters for me. Like this is the, the definitive Gordon, the definitive Bruce Wayne, who looks like Gregory Peck. And hmm, yeah. um, so when the, to see it animated, I love to see because I love the I love the very sort of really strong cheeks on Bruce, and I loved the wrinkles that Gordon had. It just all looked to me like I feel like the characters should look at all. And times. I feel like they finally got so. a handle on how to do the CG cars because a lot of times yeah, it was much less obnoxious. Yeah, yeah, a lot of times when they do vehicles with computer animation or computer graphics, I'm completely thrown for a loop because they look so bad. And it feels like for the first time, they kind of are starting to get a handle on that where I could still tell that they weren't traditional animation, but they didn't stick out like a sore thumb. I want to interview somebody there and find out why they do that. (laughs) Even even as recently, I mean, they do do it for spaceships and, you know, even like the Justice League series or the Justice League movies, they did spaceships that way. But even even as recently as the um, Batman, uh, the Under the Red Hood feature, I think if I remember correctly, they have like a car chase in there and it's a CG car and it's one of the most jarring things and otherwise a really good movie. <laughs> yes, yes. Remember the first time that happened? It appeared in one of these movies where we were all like, what, what the, the hell is that? It's, it's so, <laughs> I want to find, I mean, there's got to be a reason. There's got to be a reason. They did it in the early it. 90s Spider-Man cartoon a fair bit yeah, as well. There's got to be a reason why that's more cost effective. Because artists artist don't like drawing cars or horses and <laughs> it's a good thing they don't have any horseback rides in this. But but if you're looking, I mean, if you haven't watched all these movies, but you're looking for some, you know, this is really quality. I'd put this in the top grouping of films. Absolutely. I don't know if I'd put it at the top because of McKenzie, but it is in the, near the top. As a, as a movie in the whole, it's very enjoyable. It's very interesting. It's very unlike the other movies we've seen. It's not a lot of these films because they're so short have been a lot of fighting because mm-hmm. uh, that's what people want. But this is much more character development. This is much more drama. And angst, and just really, really, I, I was sort of floored by how much, how good it was, uh, from top to bottom. But so I, ca- I cannot recommend Batman Year One more. Yeah, and, and and not even, and I mean, the, the the script is great, and not even just because the visuals are based on the Mazzucchelli drawings. I mean, but in terms of the, the animation really itself, yeah, is really solid. There's, I mean, the fight scenes, the cat, when Catwoman attacks the the house at the end, and it just really flows really well, and it's really brutal mm-hmm. and. And oh, the sequence where they have where the cops have Batman trapped in the house was fantastic, mm-hmm. and, and the tenement when they blow it up and then the bats come. It was really just stunningly well done animation yep. wise. But uh, we also had a treat in this film. We had the retur- brief return of the showcase short. We didn't have the little intro at the comic oh, that's story. That's true. Yeah, I'm not going to call that. this uh, a treat. Well, it's a treat because we they've they've gotten rid of them, so they're not doing them anymore. Which and it was nice while we, they lasted. But uh, this was the Paul Dini written. Catwoman showcase short, which took place in the same world as this one, because it was the same design, same animation style, and Eliza Dushku was the voice, and and Holly, her little sidekick, was in it, and it's with the same voice actor. Different costume for so Catwoman, you, though. Right, because she's, she's like later. You could say it's later on. Yeah. You know, it's later on in her career. Uh, she's got the Darwin Cook costume now, and it's you know pretty much she uh, busts up uh, some criminals, goes up, goes to a strip club, busts them up there, and then. Uh, Gets Holly some money to go out of yeah. town. Uh, Holly is v- kidnapped by traffickers. Very, very similar to the uh, the recent um the the Huntress number one the Huntress miniseries. They have a yes. uh, a freighter full of female prostitutes. Uh, 
they're going to smuggle out of the country or something. And so, yeah, very similar to that. But uh, it's uh, some controversy leading up to the release of this where they talk about how Catwoman is is stripping um, and, and combine that with the Catwoman number one from the, the reboot. Um, kind of a hot, hot button issue these days. Um, I actually laughed because I knew people that were upset about the Catwoman comic would be upset about this, this, this the uh, short. But also because I know from following, following Paul Dini's work and we've been briefly working with him at on ifanboy.com that he's a dirty man. <laughs> he likes, he likes, he likes, you know, sexy stuff. He would, you know, whenever he gets a chance to do more adult stuff, there's always a bit of sex element to it. And so I was not surprised in the least that that's where the story went because that's usually what, you know, he, he good does when he yeah, can. I did, this was uh, far from my, my favorite of the showcase shorts, but I don't think it, I mean, the, the stripping aspect didn't—it didn't bother me that much because there was a method to her madness, and that she was trying to get close to the crime boss. And of course, it's you know, it's kind of lowbrow and stuff, but it's—it's—it uh, it, uh, it wasn't that. I don't think it was that offensive, honestly. But I mean, it's not one that you. On the whole, I thought it was kind of dull. Yeah, but, I know. I was kind of bored. yeah. And it's uh, it's 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 not one that you want to show to your kids like the Jonah Hex one. But uh, right. I don't know. Uh, At least nobody was motorboating. <laughs> this is this, this is one. true. I mean, this is the um, one that I want to show to anybody. I just didn't like this. I thought this was really. <laughs> it was all right. uh, It wasn't it the worst bad. one. I mean, I, I yeah. think I, I probably enjoyed it more than the Green Arrow one. Um, I don't know. I might put this below the Green Arrow one. Uh, it's well, I think I think there's similar elements to this in the Green Arrow one in that there wasn't much story. I thought the, the really good ones like Jonah Hex and like the Spectre excelled at putting a plot in the midst of the action. This is actually pretty long. It was 15 minutes. Which wow. is longer than <laughs> just it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, when you stack up all the beats to it, it doesn't feel like it would be 15 minutes. But I didn't. No, I, it felt long, which is why I paused to see how long it was, and it it was 15. It was 14, like 50. Well, a lot there. of it's just a, a chase scene. Right. But again, very well it was animated. It was pretty just, interesting. I mean, I don't know if you can do that with a whip, but um, it's there are uh, a couple <laughs> of things I don't know that you can do with a whip. I mean, the, the well, end, she tough. sort of swings away like Spider Man. She like she like goes over like up on an overpass like. That woman's always done that. With she her also like broke a wooden like back of a truck with the whip. She did do that, yeah. Yeah. The only question I had was, could you could you sever a ship in half with a cable like I, that? I had a lot of problems with the physics <laughs> of this movie. Here's the thing: I watched. I, I thought you had something metal at some point that wouldn't break because of the cable. I, I had um, I have a maybe it's a really shoddy. The Bruce Tim studio plays it pretty fast and loose with physics when it comes to how objects like trees respond to being kicked or what actually happens when you get. That's in the comic. It was awkward though. I'm when building. I'm building this, I ba- what I'm trying to say is they play it fast and loose, and usually I'm okay with it. But there were a lot of pretty egregious things in this Catwoman short that took me far enough out of the story where I was kind of like, "That's not plausible," and it's boring. <laughs> Just didn't like this. This was not for me. No, I think I think this is certainly boring. I think it was too long, and there wasn't enough story in it for the time, which is what happened. You know, yeah. I mean, it was good. I enjoyed parts of it, but you know, I wouldn't find myself watching it again mm-hmm. necessarily. It was nice that they came back in theory. It, you know, like the idea that they're doing. I think they did it because either they had a deal previously, or Paul Dini was doing it, so there's like sort of a name value sure. attached to it. But yeah, I don't think we're gonna see these anymore. From what they said, they could always bring them back, change their mind, but I don't. I don't think they will. Also in the um. The extras we had the first, not the first look, because we had the trailer released during the Comic Con this week, but the uh, featurette on Justice League Doom, which is the next animated film in the spring 2012. And what I mentioned earlier, it was the meat and potatoes one because it's Justice League with all the original actors back that you know and love from the Justice League cartoon, with the addition of Nathan Fillion playing Hal Jordan. 
And it looks fun. It's the Tower of Babel storyline, which I liked. It was the... So, um, Mark Wade, right, in JLA? Mark Wade, after Grant Morrison left the JLA back in the early uh, 2000s, the, the um, story where Batman is revealed to have plans to defeat all the Justice League members, and it gets in the hands of the villains, so the villains use those plans to to you know rough everybody up and it causes a lot of trust issues they don't they don't they do if the trust falls again, they get back. <laughs> but it was a different um, same it was a different justice use, league when he did. i mean it was like the kyle i don't know i mean the nathan Fillion. Right, they're using they're using that. hal jordan yeah they swap in kyle out for hal jordan they swapped out um somebody else somebody else is going to swap out too i forgot aquaman's not in it and they're swapping him out for somebody else was martian manhunter in the original yes okay. I think I think Cyborg's actually been getting Cyborg's in it instead of Aquaman. Yeah, Cyborg is in it. So it's it's sort of the uh, oh right yeah yeah that's true taking the current Justice League in the comic lineup and putting them into this old story. But it looks fun. It was what I found fascinating about the featurette was they had a whole thing about the the cast because they brought the original cast back together and they they interviewed everybody except for Kevin Conroy who I uh, who I think I've never seen actually interviewed for any of these things. Huh. He, no, he, he was in a weird featurette on one of them. Where they went to dinner, yeah, like, but he never actually. Do you like, never show a talking do, head? They, they they don't do talking heads with him, and also they never you never see him doing the voice in the studio. Oh yeah, that's kind of Whereas interesting. Showed, yeah. I mean, they showed they, Tim Daly, they showed Michael Rosenbaum, they showed Nathan Fillion, they showed Susan Eisenberg, they showed Carl Lumbly. I mean, they literally had everybody. Right. But they played his voice I, a lot throughout yeah, the thing. Right. Um, so, so there's a, a presence, but yeah, <laughs> they never show him doing the actual voice recording. That's kind of interesting. But it looks fun. I mean, Tim Daly has I, I cool glasses. Tim Daly doesn't age. He doesn't. There's somewhere there's a painting of Tim Daly, and it's aging rapidly. <laughs> Maybe they don't show but, Kevin Conroy in the studio because he actually dresses up like Batman, and that's they just they don't want that out there. Uh, I saw him at a actually he did show up at the screening for the last Justice League movie in New York that I went to, and he um it, it didn't and nothing seemed to be wrong with did him. Did he do the I mean, voice? He, like, he did do the oh, voice. Yes. All right. Who knows? But it looks fun. It's it's they they they're adding in the Legion of Doom, so they they put in Vandal Savage instead of Ra's al Ghul, and they they sort of combining some because it's a short story too, so they added some more elements. It looks like, but it looks like it'll be yeah, fun. Mirror know, Master in there, Star Sapphire, the weird Martian guy. Yeah, I don't know what that's all about. That's kind of Bane. No, I think it'll be good. I, I always like you know I, I'm not uh, beholden to the old cast. Everyone freaks out when it's not them, but. I do like hearing them. I, don't, I do like hearing yeah. other actors play these too. But I do like, you know, it's, it's fun to see the old cast get back it, together. It's a, it's, it's a good and 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 Nathan Fillion is, I think, a good addition. I think he's a really good Hal Jordan. Um, oh, he's a great Hal Jordan. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, although he was a little bizarre in the interview, dude, he was like he went off with some yeah, weird metaphor. That he was the guy like to. I, you can see the smile when I was <laughs> like, it was a little, a little weird. Um, but it, yeah, but it'll be good. It'll be fun, I think. And then, I, and then I think after that, I think the next one is is Dark Knight Returns, if I recall correctly. Oh, there you go. That'll be interesting. That's way more problematic than I think year one because year one's short enough and it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Dark Turns is. Are we going to see topless Nazi woman? <laughs> are we gonna... well, Dark, and Dark Knight Return also has a lot of kind of that media integration with a lot of talking heads, punditry type things. It'll be interesting to see how they do that because I can see the attack. The, the, we're going to have a feeble Ronald Reagan at the helm of the. Of, uh, I mean, be bold. It'll, it's going to be really interesting. That's that's the one. If you probably take we, all these we know they can do it visually because they've done it before. Yes, they've done um, Frank Miller visually before. It, it was in the, the, animated, the animated series. series. It was like a oh, anthology yeah, yeah, yeah. episode. I remember kids. that. Uh, yeah. Legends of the Dark Knight. Yeah, I lost my shit when that happened. I was probably like thirteen. <laughs> yeah. I was like, See, I "Whoa, what's going on?" 
I saw that before I'd read Dark Knight Returns or really any Frank Miller, so I didn't understand what they were doing. I just thought but it was a Why is Batman like that? fighting a mutant? My parents were neglectful. I had that book when I was like eight. <laughs> <laughs> I had I had a Dark Knight Returns poster in my in my bedroom my entire childhood. I mean that was like for me that was the sen- the, the seminal Dark Knight Batman story. So. Do we know who's doing the voices for that one yet? Well, I don't think we know anything about it. You can almost have Kevin Conroy at this point. He's about that right age, but he's. We, I, I was, I was wondering we, for Superman, really. We won't have Mark Hamill for the Joker though, because he's not doing him anymore. Right. Well, it's also it's not the same Joker, right? Spoilers, but. No, it's a Joker. It's all, but, oh, I'm thinking Dark Knight Strikes again. What am I thinking? Don't talk about that one. I'm holding out hope for Clint Eastwood. <laughs> I've got fingers as crossed. As the Joker. No, as Batman. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, you could, well, you could have you could have uh, the Rango spoilers, but you'd have Timothy Oliphant come in and do the Clint Eastwood voice because he's done that before, professional. That could work yeah. too. Anyway, that'll be the end of next year. Assuming it happens, I'll believe it when I actually see a trailer for it. So we'll be back in the spring of 2012 for uh, Justice League Doom. Assuming the world doesn't end. Doom. I don't, I don't think the are like two days from now the world's gonna end. That, well, in 2012. Oh, that joke doesn't But I mean, it's not going to end until I mean, December. I thought you were talking about Harold Camping oh. in two days. Is it the end of the year? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're fine. We're good. yeah you, got, you got time until nothing happens. <laughs> By the way, that joke is not going to get old next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just putting it out there now. All right, well, so if you want to talk about Batman Year One, you can go to iFanboy.com. There'll be a discussion place for this underneath the show. There'll be a little post for it. And uh, you can check out all of our daily content that Paul and Ryan contribute to. And you can check out our weekly podcast. We talk about the week's books and the video show and all that fun stuff. So thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. I'm Ryan. I did an animated thing this week. You That's did, right. You did what? did an animated article this you did week. The, about uh, what the, did you do the top yes. five things? That yeah. Are things that DC should animate, yeah. That's right. I thought you made a, made a cartoon. Relevant, I was gonna be relevant content on the site to this discussion. He made, he made a little flip book in his, in his notebook. Yeah. Uh-huh. It took forever to post. <laughs>